Canucks win. Canucks win against the Seattle Kraken. Now 3-0 against that Seattle team. The new team on the block, and they just cannot get anything done against Vancouver. An excellent bounce-back game after that atrocity against Anaheim on Saturday night. Sure, it's Seattle. It is a much easier team. Although it's not like Anaheim is a, an excellent team. They are a good team, a decent team, I should say. Uh, but but Seattle is a team that the Canucks should beat. They have beat them every time, and they, they beat them pretty handily tonight. Uh, we're going to break this game down as we always do. We'll give you my thoughts, your thoughts, all of the above. And then it is Monday, so Canucks After Dark is live tonight. We pushed it forward a little bit. Clay is at the game, so it'll be at 10.15. So I'm going to be with you for the next 35 minutes, and then we are going to go over to Canucks After Dark. It is linked in the pinned comment in the chat if you want to jump over there when all is said and done. In net for the Vancouver Canucks, Thatcher Demko. Uh, for the Seattle Kraken, Chris Dreger. And in the first period, it takes 11 seconds. The Vancouver Canucks get on the board early, and it is Tyler Mott. A really nice play down low. Uh, that line is just working well right off the bat. It's Highmore, Lamico, and Mott. The puck comes to Mott in front. Doesn't get much on it, but he's able to sneak it far post past Dreger. 1-0 Vancouver early on. But three minutes later, three minute and one second to be precise, the Kraken answer, the former Vancouver Canuck, Jared McCann. And this is... This is bad from Tyler Myers. All right, Tyler Myers uh, loses the puck in his feet at the blue line. The Kraken come in two on one, and he is the last man back. Now, when you're the last man back on a two on one, you can either try to be a little aggressive, try to take the man who has the puck out and win the battle there and then end the play. Worst case, puck gets through you, and the other guy has a breakaway, basically. What most people do is they try to play the pass. Say, hey, goalie, you can have the shooter. If this guy doesn't pass, it's all you. I'm going to try to take that pass away. And that's what Tyler Myers did, which is a fine play. However, he keeps going straight back. He never pinches towards the shooter at all to break that pass up. And he just kind of flops around <laughs> and allows the guy to go past him. And and it, it, he just outweighed Tyler Myers. It looked really bad. Uh, so it is 1-1. McCann's 21st goal of the season already at this point. Crazy impressive uh, from Jared McCann, a, a real offensive bright spot on that Seattle lineup. Uh, later in the first period, the Canucks and uh, the Canucks just have a penalty about to expire uh, or the Kraken just have a penalty about to expire. No, yeah, the Canucks have a penalty about to expire. They're about to go on a power play. It's four on four for six seconds. So the Canucks only have their one D-man on the ice uh, and a weird play ends up with Don Skoy sending a beautiful lob pass uh, over the head of Elias Pettersson, onto the tape of Mark Giordano. He beats Elias Pettersson to the puck, and he scores. It's 2-1 Seattle uh, in a period where the Canucks have been the better team, but a couple things go Seattle's way, and you think, okay, the Canucks need to respond. They have like a minute and 50 seconds of power play time to try to get something back, or at least try to shift that momentum back. They do nothing. It is one of the worst power plays we have seen the Canucks have all season long. No shots, no chances. Seattle had more chances than Vancouver did on that power play, it was not good at all. Um, zero shots on goal. So we go to the end of the first period. Shots are 15 to 9 Vancouver. They're down a goal. We go to the second, and that Tyler Mott line keeps grinding. Uh, great play down low by Tyler Mott. Ends up getting the puck to Lamico, who makes a beautiful feed in front to Travis Hamannick, of all people. He puts it through Dreger, uh, ties the game up at two. A little maybe look at goalie interference as Highmore is kind of in tight, but he got pushed into the goalie, so they didn't challenge it. So we're tied at two. Canucks go to the power play. Niels Hoaglander gets tied up. It was much, much better than the first one. They don't convert. Uh, and then the most wild scene 
that you might ever see in a hockey game happens where there is a battle in the Canucks zone. Everyone's in this battle, right? And normally it's rare you see six people in a battle for the puck, usually maybe three, four, sometimes five, but there's six people in there battling for this puck. And then the camera zooms out and there's a two on two going the other way. And you look back left and there's still six people jamming their sticks in together in the corner. The puck is at center ice <laughs> and there's a two on two the other way. It was so bizarre. Hamannick almost scores on this play. It would have been one of the most hilarious highlights you'd see uh, that would be on Sports Center and all that stuff for a couple of days. Uh, Canucks get the lead back, though, with three minutes to play. Quinn Hughes, excellent pinch. Elias Pedersen gets it back to him. Quinn Hughes tries the sharp angle shot. Rebound goes perfectly to Vasily Podkolzin, who he's 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 been deserving one for a while he was due he gets his eighth of the season uh three to two good battle uh he is he's just strong on the puck and is able to slide it and very similar to Mott's goal on the on the shot right not a great shot but able to sort of find the low corner before the goalies pad can get there so uh, a dominant period from the canucks has them come back from down two one they are up three two they outshoot seattle 18 to four over the course of that second period, a dominant period from the Canucks. And I'm going to pull up the analytics here because I want to know what the expected goals were in that second period. Expected goals were 1.8 to 0.4, so 82.77%, a very, very high margin in favor of the Canucks. Um, we go to, <clears throat> excuse me, go to the third period. Canucks start the third there on the power play and Bo Horvat in the bumper spot. Bo Horvat has had a rough little while here. Um, he has... Been taking quite a bit of heat from Canucks fandom, deservedly so. He he's just hasn't seemed as uh, physical, as engaged, as involved. Things just aren't working for Bo Horvat lately. Good to see him get on the board here. Hopefully that helps a little bit of a bounce back. Uh, and just like that, it's four to two. Another point for Miller and Pedersen. Uh, the Kraken go to the power play with about eight minutes to go. They need a goal. The Canucks kill it. Matthew Highmore gets one of the silliest penalties that I've seen in a long time. Uh, they're skating in, uh, Canucks are skating in on the rush and he decides, nope, I'm going to go change. So he hits the brakes. He's still looking up ice. He hits the brakes and then a guy runs into him and Highmore kind of wins the, wins the hit and Highmore gets an interference call for it. Kind of silly. Um, and so Seattle to a power play five minutes to go or so, uh, JT Miller has a chance on this one, a shorthanded breakaway can't score. Uh, Seattle pulls the goalie with just over two to go. McCann hits one off the post the other way. Tanner Pearson goes down, almost misses the empty net. He almost flubbed it and the light came on a little prematurely. I was really worried about that, uh, but he scores. It's 5-2 and that is your final score. Shots in the third period, 14-13 to in favor of Seattle uh, and shots overall 46-27 to in favor of the Vancouver Canucks. A dominant performance uh, in a game where uh, one of the most impressive things as we get into our pluses and minuses, one of my, my first plus that I want to touch on, like I said, the shots were 46 to 27. The Canucks blocked 20 shots compared to Seattle's eight. So shot attempts, if we look at shot attempts, it was 66 to 53. So a difference of 13, that's not a huge difference, right? Because if, if like X percent of, if half of the shots don't make it on target, let's say that's really only like a seven, eight shot difference over the course of a game. Uh, but the Canucks were blocking shots, uh, keeping Seattle out of it. So of Seattle's 53 shot attempts, only half, 27, made it on net. Out of the Canucks, 66 shot attempts, 46 made it on net. So that's over two-thirds. Uh, so great defensive play from the Canucks. Good, uh, good shot blocking. really helped the team out tonight. Other pluses. The Lamico line. John Pond, Yuho Lamico. 
Tyler Mott, Matthew Highmore. They are they were unstoppable tonight. Uh, they get that goal 11 seconds in. Uh, they create that goal that uh, the second goal for the Canucks early in the second period. Uh, they were fantastic, and I imagine their ice time accounted for. I mean, Tyler Mott 13 and a half minutes, Highmore 12 and a half. Uh, who was the last one? Lamico, 13 and a half as well. So lower on the ice time totem pole, uh, but they weren't the lowest line. That would be the uh, Pod Colson, Hoaglander, and Dickinson all had lower ice time than them. Uh, but I, I genuinely love what we're seeing from Tyler Mott. Love to see him get a couple of points tonight. Um, love it. Love it. Love it from all of them. Um, other pluses. Elias Pettersson gets two points. That is great for his bounce back. That is 17 points in his last 15 games eight of which were have been goals. Uh, he is looking so, so much better. Uh, so really happy for that. Uh, this is the eighth time this season that the Canucks have had 40 shots on goal, uh, which seems like a pretty impressive number, right? This is only the second time they've won a game in which they've had 40 shots on goal, which is absolutely hilarious. I think they were 1-5-1 and one in, in games where they've had 40 shots this season, which is not great. Um... Uh, <laughs> Uh, analytically, I mean, like I said, I, I mentioned the, the expected goals in the second period. We go uh, just all the other, uh, stats here, high danger chances, 13 to seven in favor of the Canucks, um, uh, expected goals, 4.96, which is what the Canucks had five goals to 1.9, which is what the Kraken had two goals. Um, so an expected goals of 72.32%. Uh, I'm just going to look at the heat map here. Um, yeah, lots of stuff down low for the Canucks. Only a few point shots, and Quinn Hughes sort of led the way on that. Quinn Hughes had five shots tonight, the most out of anyone on the team, tied with Tanner Pearson. Uh, so Quinn Hughes was great, as always. He's firing pucks on net. He played 25 minutes, five minutes more than any other defenseman. Tyler Myers played just under 21 minutes, and the difference is just power play time there because uh, Hughes played four and a half minutes on the power play. Myers didn't play a second. So that basically is most of it. Uh, Thatcher Demko, good bounce back for him. Again, not a lot of high danger stuff for Seattle. Uh, like I said, 1.9 expected goals. So basically he broke even on the night. Uh, he did exactly what he was, what a league average goalie should do. Uh, and he is better than that. But Hey, after the last couple of games, that is great to see, uh, good for him to get back, uh, in the positive column back in the win column. Cause he needed it after those first two games. Uh, and my last plus is, uh, that the Canucks are three and zero against the Seattle Kraken all time. They have never lost to the Seattle Kraken, uh, which is nice. That is good to see, uh, especially since that Seattle team is not very good. Uh, so you would hope for that. Uh, a couple of minuses. That first power play is a big minus. Uh, it was it was so bad. It might have been the Canucks' worst power play of the season. They did absolutely nothing, and it really felt like we were in for another special teams uh, disaster. Luckily, the Canucks penalty kill goes four for four tonight. I didn't mention that in my pluses, and I should have. I think that'll take them back above 70%, which is great because uh, they did drop below that mark. Uh, and the power play goes one for four, so basically average, um, which is fine. Uh, that one Horvat goal worked out, um, which is great. Uh, other minus, uh, Horvat. I had him on my minus column until he scored that goal at the start of the third period. Uh, the two penalties he took were the main reasoning for that. Uh, when the Canucks penalty kill is as bad as it has been lately, you can't be taking two penalties in a game. Uh, it's, it, it is a real, it is the reason this team has been losing games is these penalties. Uh, so you got to stay out of the box. And if anyone's taking two penalties in a night, that is an issue, but that's really it for my minuses. Uh, I generally think the Canucks played a pretty solid all around game. Uh, they played well in the offensive zone. They didn't let Seattle create too, too much. They were blocking shots, 
Demko was absolutely fine. Uh, they were able to find uh, their way around Dreger a little bit, and they get the win. That's basically all I have to say. But of course, you guys are here as well. We do have a good chunk of you guys joining us here live in the chat. Uh, so we will bring up uh, some of your thoughts, your takes. You guys need to tie us over for the next 25 minutes or so. Uh, 25, 23 minutes maybe uh, until Clay is uh, is ready to go live with Canucks After Dark as he comes home from the Canucks game. And then I will take you all to the Canucks After Dark. That is linked in the pinned comment in the chat. All right, let's see what you guys have to say uh, in this one. Um, uh, there's a lot of short ones, things like, uh, you know, I love Tyler Mott coming from Blitz. Zach saying uh, another couple points for Petey, which is great. Uh, let's see if we have some longer uh, stuff. Marcus is saying our fourth line is insane and OEL is still standing strong on defense. Yeah, uh, I think OEL was fine. Uh, honestly, Tyler Myers was fine other than that one awful play on that two-on-one. Um, there was a couple of plays late where he was getting the stick in lanes. Uh, I think he had a really good poke check. Uh, and then he tried to clear it. It hit the ref. And then I think he poke checked again or blocked a shot or something along those lines, which is great. Um, I agree. Um, Scott Wallace saying Mott has to bring back a first rounder at the deadline, right? I don't think you're, I, I think that's a little wishful. Um, if that is on the table from anybody, you take it and run. Uh, I think we value Tyler Mott a lot higher than other teams around the national hockey league probably do. Um, which I think, it, I think any player like that is going to have that sort of vibe, right? Any sort of player who we've seen sort of develop in front of our eyes, right? Tyler Mott, when we got him in the trade, uh, in the Thomas Vanek trade was nothing, right? We're like, wow, we got Jokinen and Mott. Like who cares? That is nothing. Uh, Tyler Mott has clearly turned into something. Um, but we have seen him develop. He has been very outspoken on his on his mental health value, uh, battles. He is such a grinder, and he is so fun to watch. He is the epitome of a likable third, fourth liner, right? Which means we care about him more than other teams will, which means I think we overvalue him. Uh, I, think, I, I think a second, it, maybe like a second and a fourth or something might be reasonable. I, I struggle with, with draft pick valuations. I think lots of people overvalue them, overvalue them, and I think I've fallen into that before. Um, I I just think there's a lot of other pieces out there that people might have higher than Tyler Mott, right? Um, but hey, if uh, if they can get anywhere close to that, I'd be pretty happy. Kai saying good game, but I don't really like the experiment of Besser with Horvat and Dickinson. They had some chances and played okay, but Besser doesn't look as dangerous and notable as uh, on a shutdown type of line. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really notice Besser all that much tonight. Uh, he has been very recognizable the last uh, last week or two. Uh, tonight wasn't one of those games. I I think Besser is a, a very good complementary piece, right? You put him out there with some with some creators, right? You put him out there with guys like Pedersen and Miller and and even like a Pod Colson or Hoaglander, although to a much lesser extent, uh, or a Connor Garland even, um they get they can get him the puck and he can have open space and be dangerous. But when he is the main threat on a line, uh and you have guys like Dickinson who isn't really a threat, uh Horvat who hasn't been a threat lately um, they can sort of just take Besser out of the play and they're not too worried, right? So I think Besser is someone who needs a supporting cast and he needs to sort of be, I guess he needs to be the supporting cast to uh, someone else because he is an excellent second option basically on any line. Um, so I do, I do agree with that. 
Brian giving a shout out to McCann as a as a Kraken fan. Yeah, uh, Jared McCann is a is a good hockey player, uh, and I'm I'm sad the Canucks lost him for what they for Eric Branson. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, he is a he is a very good piece uh, for Seattle over there. Uh, let's see here. Um, do, 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 do. Kai saying, I wonder if Miller heard Bruce's comments about it being a problem when Petey is leading the team in hits. Yeah, he did get a bunch of hits tonight. I didn't look at the hit column. Uh, hit column. Miller had seven hits tonight. Love that. Shen only with one. Shen either has 12 or one, uh, which is crazy. But yeah, um, Miller Miller is continues to be a difference maker, right? You look at that stat line. Two assists, four shots, seven hits, one block, positive in the faceoff circle. Uh, really good. Antonio, who gets the belt tonight? Oh, I didn't think about that. I, I think it's Tyler Mott. Uh, I, and I think it's I, I think it's an easy choice. To be honest, maybe, maybe if if they really want to use that as a motivational piece, they might go with a Pod Colson because I really liked his game. Um, I don't know if we've I don't know if we've heard anything about who it was. Who was the first star? Tyler Mott was the first star on the night, which is great. Uh, I I gotta say it's Tyler Mott. That's gonna be that's gonna be my uh, my bet. Uh, do 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 do. Uh, saying even the Canucks scored scored five goals this game wasn't the most exciting. Don't know if you felt the same way. Uh, maybe not. And I don't think I think it's because Seattle didn't have a ton of pushback. Once the Canucks did take the lead late in the second, the third period didn't really feel that in doubt. Even though the Kraken did have some more shots, there was mostly score effects. They they weren't super dangerous. Um. I think it's just the Kraken aren't a very dynamic team, right? The Kraken have a few excellent players, right? Like Jared McCann. Um, and, you know, Giordano scored the other goal tonight. He's a, he's a very good player. Uh, but they don't have a lot of dynamic, dangerous offense that, if, like, when they touch the puck, you you feel a little bit worried, right? I mean, look at, like, Toronto as an example. I know they got the doors blown off of them tonight uh, in Montreal, which is funny. Um, but you look at them and there's so many players that like, like if Austin Matthews has the puck, you are scared. You're like, okay, he, he could do something here. Or even if Marner has the puck, it's like, he's going to find somebody. Uh, and then you have, you know, um, so like so many guys on that roster and my, uh, like Tavares and, and, and Nylander and, and like so many of these dangerous threats, Seattle doesn't have much of that, right? The Canucks have some of that too, right? Pedersen can create Miller can create, uh, Quinn Hughes can create, right? You have a few big creators here. Um, Seattle doesn't have a ton of that, and that's just sort of how their expansion draft went. Uh, Gus saying the Mott line was full throttle tonight. It was nice to see them getting some more ice time tonight. Fully agree. Um, Joel saying what happened to the the Ducks? Uh, sorry, I, I'm struggling with this a little bit. But the Duck. So here, here, I'll break this down. The Ducks post game we didn't do because the game was not fun to watch. So I didn't want to watch the third period. So I, I put a poll out and I said, Hey, should we bother tonight? Most people said no. So I said, all right, we're not going to do it. We're going to take the night off. I'm going to have my Saturday night. Um, no, there was no breakdown video. I only do breakdown videos when I have a lot of time because those take a lot of time to put together and I am a busy, I, I have a job, so I, I don't have a lot of time sometimes. Uh, and I was going to do a trade sort of trade talk stream. I still want to do that. I just, again, I didn't have much time this week. Uh, so we'll we'll find a time for it, uh, and maybe I'll put out a, a day's notice on uh, on the community page. But thank you, Joel. I uh, I appreciate you keeping me in check a little bit. Uh, Blitz saying hi, more looking great with a great looking uh, accidental hip check. Fully agree. Uh, that that penalty he took. Hey, at least he laid the guy out, even though he clearly didn't intend to. 
if you're gonna, if, the, the saying is, if you're gonna take a penalty, at least make the other guy feel it, right? If you're gonna get a slashing penalty for tapping someone on the hands, you might as well slash them hard in the hands, right? It's kind of mean, but if you're gonna if you're gonna take the penalty, you might as well earn the penalty, right? It's still the same two minutes. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it was a good hit, good hit by Highmore, good stability on the legs. Uh, Jaskaran saying Pedersen's clicking. I'm super excited to see how he does for the rest of the season. I agree. Like I said, 17 points in the last 15 games. Uh, he has just slowly and slowly improved and improved and improved in his last couple of weeks. He has been very good. Uh, which is, which is so, makes me so happy. I'm so thankful we're not doing the whole, like, uh, when's Patterson going to figure it out anymore, right? The fact that we haven't had to do that for the last month or so, uh, is very nice because that was not fun. It was not fun at all. Um, monotone cube saying Calgary is going to be super tough. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Canucks get Calgary on Thursday night. Uh, that's a home game, I believe. Canucks are at home. Yeah, it's the the skate game Thursday night, so two nights off. They play Thursday, 7 p.m. Calgary has won 10 in a row. They'll be looking to make it 11 against the Canucks. They, they also get the same two days of rest uh, as they got their win over the Jets today. That's that's going to be some tough sledding. But hey, you can also say hey, the Flames are due to lose, right? They're due for a loss. It'll happen. It, it could be one of those games where, I mean, it's two fantastic goalies. It's Demko and Markstrom. Um, I, I I think it's going to be one of those games that's that's really low scoring and tense the whole way through, uh, which should be fun, especially with both teams going to be rocking some sweet, sweet jerseys. Um, let's see here. Crispy Assassin saying what return will Pearson get? I don't think Pearson's going anywhere and I don't think he has a lot of value. Uh, I, I think he, I think his contract is, is very close to being negative. It's probably right. It's, it's probably dead on to be honest. Uh, I think there's so many other options that teams could look for. Um, if he's, if he's on the market again, I, I think you probably trade him if you can get anything. Uh, Cause I think that contract will have negative value on its last two years, but Again, it's only two years left at three and a quarter. It's not that crazy. Uh, I just don't, I don't really see him getting traded, to be honest. Um, David saying, for all the bashing on Myers lately, myself included, he actually had a much improved night and made some nice defensive plays. You are right. And I, I tried to say that uh, earlier too, because he did have that, ba that bad calf, right? On that two on one, that, that was a preventable goal, at least mostly preventative. He could have done better, right? Um, but other than that, this game, he was pretty good. Uh, he was getting sticks in lanes. He was winning puck battles. Um, I, I think Tyler Myers had a very good game and a really bad shift would be how I uh, how I say it. Agam saying, can we talk about Yuho Lamico is actually Gretzky. <laughs> Guy is deadly from behind the net. Yeah, I think I saw someone tweet like, is he wearing 91 or 99 back there? Uh, yeah, it was a great play that, that play to play to Hamannick was great. The play to Mott was great Two assists from behind the net. Um, that's awesome. And it's, it's nice to see, you know, people develop these, these sort of skills, right? A guy like Lamico, if he start, if he's doing this and he's, he's comfortable behind the net, you're going to see him go back there more often, right? Try to make more plays from behind the net and it might result in more productivity. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I think Lamico was, was great tonight. Uh, Christian, does Hamannick redeem himself after last game? I'm going to be honest. I didn't really notice Hamannick other than that goal, 
which again, sometimes when we're talking about defensemen, if we don't notice them for the game, that's a good thing. Um, and I think in this case for Hamnick, it was totally fine. He had four shots on goal, two blocks, a hit, and he had that goal. He's a plus two. There was nothing to really complain about, about his game tonight. I don't think he did a lot. I don't think he really did much to like show off how good he is. Um, I, I think his goal was good. He almost had a second goal. Other than that, I, I genuinely didn't really notice Hamnick on the ice, uh, even though he played 17 and a half minutes. Um, do, 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 do. Yash, you saying, would you rather resign Mott four by one and a half or trade for a second? I don't think you can do the first. Uh, I don't think you're getting Mott for four by 1.5 on the open market. Uh, he is 26 years old. Uh, he'll, he'll turn 27 in a couple of weeks. So he's, he'll be a 27 year old as of next season. I think. I, I I could see a team doing like a four year or even like longer, right? Like remember Brandon Tanev got like six by three, three and a half, whatever it is, Brandon Tanev. I could see someone trying to go that route with Mott, maybe a lower number, maybe like a five by two, two and a half. Um, the number we heard from Rick Dollywall a couple weeks ago was 2.6 was the rumored number. In my mind, I think that's a I don't know if the Canucks are in a spot where they should be paying Tyler Mott 2.6. Um, I think there's a lot of teams that, that are in that spot, though. Um, if we're talking like 2 by 2.6, maybe. I, I might be totally on board with that. If we're talking 4 by 2.6, I'm getting a little bit nervous as we're talking about a guy who uh, is a is a physical player and and will be you know 31 by the time that deal ends. Um, but again, a second-round pick, what does that get you? right? It's a lottery ticket. Most second round picks don't make it. Um, so it's tough. It, it's really tough. And for me, the, the genuine thought is if you can sign Tyler Mott to a contract that has positive value, right? Where, where he is better than his contract, because in a hard cap league, that is literally all that matters. The team that is the most cap efficient will usually be the best team. Um, so if you can do that, then that's great. If he is demanding too much money. And I think if he can, if he can secure the bag, he should, uh, all power to him. If, if someone's offered him three and a half million dollars a year, he should go take it because good for him. Um, but if the Canucks can get a pick out of that and not have to pay him, then I think you do that as well. So it's, it's tricky. It's, it's a real balancing act. And I think it really comes down to the Canucks should be talking to him about his next contract, seeing where it is, right? Because if it's something around 4 by 1.5, I think you do that in a heartbeat. Because there's almost no negative cap implications. When you send someone down to the minors, it, it takes like a million dollars off the cap. So one and a half, I mean, if he if three years from now he's not an NHL player, then there's you're you're out like four or five hundred bucks or five hundred thousand bucks, right? On your cap, which is very minimal. Um so that's my thought. But I don't think he's getting that low. Um, Lieb saying Tanner Pearson was more noticeable this game. He seemed more in their face. I agree. There was the one play, um, in front of the Canucks net. No, it was in front of the Seattle net. I think in the second period, um, where Pearson went for a rebound. I think it was Carson Susie. God, that probably sounds terrible on the mic. Susie. That's so much, so much hissing sounds. Um, he sort of, he like checked Pearson into the goalie and then cross checked him again. And Pearson sort of like 
used his tongue to spit his mouth guard out to the corner of his mouth and just started trash talking him and with a big smile on his face. It was great. I love stuff like that. Uh, honestly, I think Tanner Pearson had a pretty good game. Uh, Harold saying, after the season, I wonder if management targets a speedy guy like uh, Ilya Mikhaev from Toronto. RFA after this year, he's due to get paid. I don't think they have the cap space. The Canucks don't either. The Canucks don't have cap space either. Um, look, I like Mikhaev. Uh, I genuinely do. Uh, I think he is a he's a pretty solid player. He's he's 27, right? He's only ever played 113 NHL games, and you know he's got eight goals in 20 games this season, which sounds great. But again, it's a small sample size. Uh, it's the most goal he's ever scored in a season. Um, I like Mikhaev. He's a UFA after this year, um, not an RFA. I don't know if that was just a typo on your part. Um, I don't know. Is he going to get paid though? Like are people lining up to pay Ilya Mikhaev 4 million bucks a year? Uh, he, the most points he's had in a year. I mean, he had 23 a couple of years ago in 39 games last year, only 17 points in 54 games. And this year he's played 20 games. He has, he has 11 points, right? That's a small sample size. I don't know much about his underlying numbers, um, things like that. I haven't looked into it at all. Uh, but again, it's not like the Canucks have much cap space either. Agam saying, if we talk about the power play, too much talent for it to be too so stagnant and predictable. Um, also, Hunt over Pod Coles and on PP2 is a choice, a bad choice. Let's start at the end. I don't think Hunt should be on PP2. I agree. As for the first part, yeah, uh, there is too much talent uh, for it to be so stagnant and predictable. And the last few games has been the real issue as my... the Okay. Um, it has been. It, it just hasn't been good. Um, they get the goal tonight, which is great. Um, but it needs to get stepped up. Absolutely. And we are going to talk about it uh on canucks after dark in about five minutes or whenever clay tells me he is ready i am literally just waiting once clay says he is home or at his office and ready to go we're going to switch over uh so make sure make sure you maybe you click open that link in another tab and i'll spam it here when we uh, when we wrap up here um let's see here going to take a couple more. Marcus, this is a fun stat. Uh, Lamico has more points in his last four games than Uolevi has in his entire career. And we got Juleson in that trade. Now you say, and we got Juleson. I think Lamico was the extra piece in that trade, if I remember correctly. I think what they said was, or maybe it was the other way around. Because I, I remember there was, uh, it was basically Uolevi for one of them. And then Benning said, no, we need the extra one as well. I don't remember who the main piece was. It might've been Lamico's the main piece. And then Juleson was the throw in, um, which again, I mean, it's a great trade because Uolevi's not good. Um, not, he's not good. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very happy. I'm very happy with Lamico for sure. Uh, Montone excited for the black skaters next game. Absolutely. I will, uh, I'll have mine on for sure. Uh, fun Q saying, would you trade Pearson for a contract and a player almost identical slash similar, but a defenseman, an average slightly overpaid defenseman with three remaining years? Probably. Yeah. I, it's, it's so much easier to get a winger than a defenseman. A slightly overpaid defenseman is more valuable than a slightly overpaid winger. Uh, in my opinion, you say three remaining years. I think Pearson has two remaining years after this though. Or no, he got four, didn't he? Oh, what a stupid contract. Um, Christian asking about the design of Demko's mask. Honestly, I didn't really pay attention to it too much. Uh, I saw a couple pictures of it. I don't remember it. Um, to be honest, I'm saying I've been disappointed with Niels Hoaglander this year. Does anyone else feel that way? 
a little bit. Again, I mean, he's so young. Um, it's the it's the sophomore slump. The, the problem is everyone on the team has been worse than normal this year. Uh, so I'm not too too worried. Um, Professor Dogwood saying, should the Canucks be uh, packaging up a bunch of their third, fourth, and filler guys for draft picks and prospects? Uh, typically, yeah. If you're selling, uh, if there's if there's people asking for them, uh, and they're not going to be pieces of your core when you're contending, then yeah, you get rid of those pieces, right? If you have guys that are 30, that you know, if the Canucks are going to be competing two, three years down the line, those guys don't aren't going to have any value by then, right? They're going to have hit a UFA cycle, or they're just not going to be they're not going to be great. So. Yeah, uh, I think you should trade any piece that's going to get you value, um, in my opinion. Um, Zach asking if the skate's only the, the warm-up of the whole game. It's the full game on the 24th. They are wearing it, which is going to be sweet. Um, Blitz saying that Lambico and Highmore both reach career highs in points. That's something it is 10 and 7. It's not huge numbers, but yeah, they have both been uh, very, very nice to see. And, and a couple of... Couple of W's for Jim Benning on the way out. Hey, that that high more for Goddet move uh, was good. Again, at the time I didn't like it because I thought he could have got more. Um, but the piece he did get has been uh, nice to see. Uh, I, I've really liked high more this year, uh, and Lamico has been very, 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 very solid uh, on that fourth line. Uh, Meister saying, "How many points out of the playoffs? Too many." I think is the correct is the technical answer. Uh, Canucks are technically five points out um but keep in mind that's it's not looking great uh but hey you know if the, if the kings and the ducks and the stars all collapse then they have a shot um jazz Grant said pearson was a three by three and quarter that's what i thought at first and then i second guessed myself um so i i wasn't uh, i wasn't entirely sure uh, Zach saying, asking if I'll be at the next game. Probably not. I almost went to this game. I, I usually look at tickets like day of, and if they get cheap, I'll go. Uh, I doubt that's going to be the case in this one. Um, but you know, maybe talk about asking, will the Kings, Ducks and Stars collapse? The thing is the Canucks need to get ahead of all three of them. Right. And, uh, yeah, they need to get ahead of all three of them. Right. So if one collapses, that's not good enough. If two collapses, it's also probably not good enough, right? They need all three of them to falter. Um, and, and I mean, the Kings have been pretty hot lately. They've won six of their last 10. Uh, the Ducks have just been sort of cruising. I mean, they, they crushed the Canucks two days ago. Um, so I don't know if that's going to, um, I don't know if that's going to work too well. Uh, Krishna saying, help me understand something in regards to draft picks. It seems like a high percentage of draft picks don't amount to anything. Why do we obsess about them? Um, because if you don't have draft picks, which the Canucks have historically not had them over the past few years, cause they've been trading a lot of them away. Uh, you have no one developing in your system, right? The thing is you get seven a year for free, right? You get a first rounder, second round, a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, right? Typically the first rounder will typically become an NHL player, right? Maybe not a, not a, you know, maybe you'll play 400 games, uh, if he's on the lower end of the first round or something like that, but typically you get an NHL player. So if you can do something along those lines, that's great. Um, a second round pick is more of a, a shot in the dark, right? Especially if it's a later second, you know, you might have, you might have like a 30 or 40% shot, but if you have a good scouting department that can give you an edge, if you have many picks, right? Let's say, let's say you have a pick that gives you a 30% chance of landing a good player. Well, let's say you have three of those picks, right? Suddenly your odds go from a 30% shot 
I'm not a, I'm not in statistics. Obviously, you don't just add them all together. But now maybe you have like a 60% shot of one of those hitting, right? And then if two of them hit, that's even that's extra value. And what happens is when these players do graduate to the NHL, if you're a contending team, right? Let's say the Canucks are going to contend three years down the line. These guys you draft this year will be 21, 22 years old by then. And they'll be on entry-level contracts. They'll be on cheap deals. So if you can have have people that are difference makers that are, you know, maybe getting 30 points in the year, but they're only making that 900K from their entry-level deal. If you can have a few of those guys come up, that's huge on the cap. Um, and the other part about it is, uh, if you can get draft picks out of an ex- uh, out of an uh, expiring asset, right? If you have a, a player who is an unrestricted free agent um, that you are going to lose for nothing, you can trade them, get a draft pick, and then you can use that draft pick as currency, right? You can you can try to collect more, you can bunch some together, trade them for players. It's basically just sort of liquidating your assets, um, which is uh, which is the the whole fun. And uh, and draft picks are fun because you get to you get to look at the players and. And, and see who you're getting. Uh, I have a text from Clay saying that he'll be ready in three minutes. That was three minutes ago. So I think what we'll do is we are going to swap over to Canucks After Dark, folks. The link is in the pinned chat message. I'm going to spam it a bunch. He says, ready when you are. I am spamming it a bunch in the chat. If all of you come over there, that'd be awesome. If you don't want to, hit like, hit subscribe. Uh, this podcast will be up a little bit later than normal because I have to jump to Canucks After Dark. I don't have the time to upload this yet. Um... But you can uh, you can rewind back to the beginning here. Uh, I hope you all have a, a lovely night. Hopefully you jump over and join us. We're going to talk for the next hour about the Vancouver Canucks this game and just other stuff in general. So I hope to see you there and I'll talk to you later.